Welcome back to the Man Cave Caucus Podcast. Tim and I are in the Man Cave once again. It's a cold, dreary month. January day, Saturday evening, and we're just hunkered down and chilling like a villain. It's so cold, my joints hurt. I know. And we have to turn off the heater because of the sound and my toes start getting a little cold. Yeah, my uh, on the way over here, my foot fell full-blown asleep, and I uh, guess I'd tighten my shoes up too tight, and the uh, the cold just doesn't let me circulate right. Not good. Anywho. So, uh, once again, we're bringing you the latest from all over the planet, stories, news, entertainment, most of all, some good-humored conversation. To help you get your day going on a little bit better. That is the goal. So, Tim, lots of stuff to talk about today on the podcast. It's been quite a uh, a busy week, but we're not going to fail to bring our listeners the most important highlights, as it were. It is our duty. It is. You brought your cowboy hat yeah. to, today. I don't. I like it. I don't wear a cowboy hat near as often as I as I should, because well, I'm not a cowboy. But it it did end up on our uh, cover art. It did, and uh, so I dug it out of the mothballs, dusted it off, and I'm thinking about making it the uh, studio hat. Perfect. The man cave hat. Yeah. Yeah. It would get. About 200 times more use using it once a week (laughs) to record this podcast. So first up, this week we started the 102nd, the second half of the 102nd General Assembly in Missouri. And so I traveled up to the capital, Jefferson City, on Tuesday and Wednesday, came back Thursday, and we gaveled in for... This year's session. And uh, seems like it's going to be quite the humdinger. Was already. Was there, was there any any week one drama? Oh, man. Yes, there was. Yes. Would you say... As always. If you put your pulse or your finger on the pulse of the Missouri electorate, would you say that division is less than ever? Or far more. I would say it's approaching critical mass. I was, uh, yeah, that was a cupcake serve. I just had a bad feeling that things were spinning out of control, much like the world that we live in. Yeah, it could be the greatest challenge of a legislative session I've had yet. It seems like everyone is more than the last. You had you had t- told me earlier in a in an earlier podcast that you had very little faith or hope for this, for anything getting done this year. Yeah. Is that always the case on election years, do you feel like, or is it just this, just the vibe that's, that this year is bringing? I think it's a mixture. I mean, always election years bring extra challenges and, you know, extra reasons for people to act out. (laughs) Dig, dig in. Yeah. Dig their heels in a bit. You know, I mean, politicians, man. Well, I'm not a politician, but I, I do believe that I would uh, really struggle in this, in this environment, in this, this political, frigid political temperature to really want to play nice myself. Just It is tough. Um, but I think here's the thing. Like, there's some people... Their M.O. is obstruction and, you know, just wreck everything and, and, and don't even care what is left behind in the wake of that. Yeah. They want to see the world burn people. Yeah. Just, just even just for kicks and grins, yeah, they'll do it. That's the. Uh, and, and try to claim out of that that, you know, it was for some righteous reason or cause. Like to destroy democracy so that. <laughs> A better democracy right. can thrive. Yes. Which I don't 
I don't operate like that. I think there are times you you know you have to pick and choose the right time when it's when it's go time. Yeah, and uh, that's important. It's important for conserves to stand up. Well, choosing you know? choosing wisely the hill that you're willing to die on. But if you if your mo is that all the time, um, people start tuning out. People start getting angry, and then the end result will be almost nothing accomplished because people dig in and yeah, just for spite they won't. Uh, oh yeah, they won't go along. We, so we deal with that in life every day. I think it's like oh for sure. You try to have a productive disagreement with someone, and there are people who are not willing. Yeah. Sometimes I end an argument when I know I'm heavily right. And even with my wife, and it is not often, but when we realize where to impasse, I always like to ask, can we both be right? It is possible. And uh, I do it in jest because at the end of the day, it's it's my olive branch to uh, amicably depart from you know, the ravings. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we kicked it off and, um, boy, it's going to be something else, I think. Uh, and there's some other factors we'll talk about here in a bit that figure into this as well. I have filed some bills. I, I've been so busy this fall. I hardly was able to even get up to Jeff city to file bills. So, um, I think I have filed six or seven bills so far and um, several of those carryovers from last session that didn't get done. I'll run down through those real quick. Running the bill again, this will be House Bill 1848, uh, changing the law regarding the concealed carrying of weapons, allowing firearms in churches and other places of worship with a concealed carry permit, because currently the Missouri law is, and a lot of people don't know this, but currently the Missouri law is you have to have uh, direct permission from the pastor or whoever is over that organization to be in a place of worship and legally carrying a firearm. And it's actually pastors that actually have approached me asking for this bill is they don't want to be the ones that have to decide and, you know, determine who gets to carry. They don't know what level of training people have, uh, if any, right? So uh, to say that if you have a concealed carry permit, which means you have had training, that makes it safer and a lot better situation. Now, a church, if they so choose, can put up, just like a business, can put up a sign and say, no firearms allowed. Yeah. I wouldn't attend that church, but somebody might. But they have that right as well because it's private property. Uh, I filed a bill again dealing with the uh, drag queens and public spaces where um, things are happening in front of kids that are just unspeakable. Um, so we're going to try to make that again where we already have a, a law in Missouri that is an adult cabaret law, and it's basically you know a strip joint. If, if kids aren't allowed in strip joints, then they shouldn't be allowed to have the same things, the same kind of performances happening in a public space. And I don't even know if allowed is the right word. It's, I, I feel uh, like coerced or uh, preyed upon to be exposed to that kind of stuff might be... Uh, the reality, you know, it's unbelievable what is happening um, in some places, even in Missouri. I have a new bill that I filed this year. I'll have a couple of new bills, but um, this one is one that I have already pre-filed, and it prohibits the use of TikTok for government-owned devices. So we all know TikTok is owned by China and is heavily involved with the CCP and probably spying on each and every American who has it on their phone. Um, but, you know, you have to draw the line somewhere. I, I think at least we could all agree that it's not a good idea for government devices to have TikTok on them because um, that means that China is probably spying on our country, spying on our government and our government agents, and that's not a good idea. And so that would be state-owned government devices that it would ban um, TikTok from. 
I have filed uh, another bill that deals with um, tax deductions for broadband internet expansion grants. So when COVID happened and all the ARPA funds came down from the federal government, they passed a law in Congress, you know, for these ARPA funds, just billions of dollars just thrown everywhere, you know, and that's largely the reason why we have inflation uh, at a just breakneck speed right now. Right. The ARPA funds were all government grants that were given to cities, counties, states. From federal From to, the federal okay. government. So that, that helps. And then there are certain restrictions on how you could use those funds. But one of the things that a lot of counties and cities are doing is trying to use those for useful things when it comes to like expansion of broadband, because broadband is, is such an important thing to be able to be used for education and for workforce and all the different things that that use the internet. But when they passed that bill, supposedly they made a mistake and made it to where those broadband grants will be taxable. So, you know, it's like, yeah, we're giving you a government grant to expand broadband, but uh, you're going to pay taxes on that grant. So we wanted to change that. And I had the bill last year to to change that and fix that problem. Part of it got done, but there was a, another amendment that we were making that didn't make it on the final bill that actually did get passed. And so I'm running that again because it it's, it's kind of retroactive. The ones that, who have already gotten grants then could be refunded for those taxes. So we'll run that again. The Parents' Bill of Rights, doing that again, trying to put into statute uh, – to give parents uh, an outline of, of what rights they have that is in our law when it comes to the education of their children in public education. Uh, so needed. Also, an, a, uh, a prohibition on critical race theory is included in that bill, um, but I think a very responsible one, um, but so important that we that we take a look at that, that we get that done. We're kind of behind when it comes to Parents' Bill of Rights and critical race theory compared to several other red states that have already done this uh, several years ago. So we'll try to get that done. The Pet Shop Bill, um, doing that as well. Again, that's uh, House Bill 2265 this session, uh, trying to protect businesses that sell live pets from overreach when it comes to especially, especially municipalities that are trying to basically run them out of town and say, because we don't like what you do, then you can't do business in our town. And so we've talked about that a little bit before, but uh, we'll be doing that bill again. And then probably my number one priority this year is regarding ranked choice voting. And we've touched on that a little bit before, but putting a House Joint Resolution, uh, it's it's HJR 104 is the number, but it will send this to the ballot for the people of Missouri to vote on whether they want to effectively prohibit ranked choice voting or not. And uh, I think it should be a, an absolute priority for our caucus um, and for anyone who really understands how important election integrity is and, and not rigging our elections in favor of one or the other parties. And anywhere this has been tried in other states, it's only helped get Democrats elected, especially in red states. So those are the bills that I have pre-filed. There'll be several more to come throughout uh, as we go through the session. But so some of the things I'll be working on. Sounds like a pretty full docket. It is. Um, last year I had, I don't know, close to 20 bills, which is just really ridiculous. But there's so many things, so many important issues that really do need to be addressed in Missouri. So I feel compelled many times to at least file a bill and try to work it through the process and make people aware of these issues. I find myself a lot of times kind of ahead of the curve on some of the issues where it's like, you know, most people haven't really paid attention to this yet, but it's happening and you have to try to be proactive when it comes to some of these issues as well. So that makes it difficult, you know, when sometimes people haven't really heard of it um, or even aware of the issue. 
uh, you you know, you, you spend a lot of time explaining that and, and trying to help people realize why this is important and how it affects you. And then there's some issues that it's a no-brainer. People have been talking about it for a long time. Parents' rights, for instance, and how important it is to protect kids. So we'll be working on those things. And uh, you you may have explained this before, but I was... Uh, when you introduce these, do they like read them in front of everybody and then see what the interest is or how does the... What's the process to get the... So every bill has, it's like a, fir, a first, second, third reading, but it's it's kind of technical. They don't actually read the entire bill before the body. Okay. It would take way too long to, to introduce thousands of bills like that. Um, it does go live on, when you file the bill, it goes live on the website. Anybody can look it up, read it. But what happens is, leadership basically decides which okay. bills go to a committee and then actually start moving through that process. Okay. And that can be throughout the session. It doesn't all happen at once. Um, for the sake of, of time, you couldn't right. do them all at once. In my mind, it was, it was one of those things where <clears throat> you would read it to the body that was, would be voting on it. And they, they decided, you know, if there was, especially when it comes to representatives, it seems like it would make a lot more sense for it to be heard by the other representatives and see if that was yeah. indicative of the area that they're trying to represent and see if that's something, you know. Yeah, it goes to committee, and, and that's kind of where it begins. Um, that's where then the bill is kind of first debated. Witnesses can come and speak for, against neutral, whatever, yeah. anybody can go and speak. And then that that's kind of where it starts th- th- making it through that process. And then you start amending it and making small changes after you hear those testimonies. Uh, and then it makes its way on, hopefully, to the to the floor where the full body hears that bill and debates that bill. And then it goes from there. But hmm. it is quite a um, yeah. remarkable process yeah, and takes a lot of time. But rightfully so, it should. So speaking of Missouri politics, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention uh, that has happened this week in Missouri. One is Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft threatened to remove Biden from the ballot in Missouri. And I know we had actually talked about this a little bit and the potential for this to happen because of what happened in Colorado and Maine and, and other states that are talking about removing Trump from the ballot. In this type of reactionary politics. So I'll read a little bit of this story. I think it's the Daily Beast that that I pulled up here. But it says, Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft threatened to remove President Joe Biden from the state's ballot should the Supreme Court decline to reverse Colorado's decision to remove former President Donald Trump from its ballot. NBC News reports, what has happened in Colorado and and Maine is disgraceful and undermines our republic, Ashcroft tweeted. If Democrat states are saying we're not going to let these Republicans run, you bet you're going to see the same thing happening from Republican states. And it is not good, he was quoted telling the news outlet. Both Colorado and Maine have sought to remove Trump from their ballots under the 14th Amendment. We've talked about that because of January 6th. So I thought it was interesting that he said, you know, kind of threatened that this might happen in Missouri. But then he said other Republican states are doing this and it's not good, which is, was kind of contradictory uh, yeah, it to feels me. Like, I think that was he is definitely doing some posturing. I don't think that there's any concern. But at what point? So we have red states and blue states. You know, at what point does it not dissolve down to where the governing powers of said state just decide that there's no such thing as a Democrat party or a Republican party. And they just, if you're able to remove, yeah, if you're able to remove people from the ballot completely. Yeah. Or just one person, for instance, that's like, yeah, what has happened? Well, we want to vote for such and such. And it's like, well, there's a problem. (laughs) There's this thing called the constitution. You can write that name in, but it's just crazy. Like the fact that, I mean, if every state decided to have this peeing contest here. Right. I mean, 
pretty much the red states would go red and the blue states would go blue and uh it would uh would definitely be an interesting um well i think it's one of those perfect opportunities where politicians snatch up a chance to get attention and get in the news by threatening to do the same thing as the democrats right and it, it's not a good look. So it's, again, if it's unconstitutional for the the Democrats to do it, it's also unconstitutional for Republicans to do it. And uh, I don't think anything good will come from just kicking people off the ballot willy nilly um, because we don't feel like it's the right thing. But I do get the frustration of what what in fact is the recourse, right? Well. I thought about that. You know, what is the right approach? Well, I think the right approach is telling the truth. And the truth is we have a document that tells us what to do when it comes to this issue in the Constitution. And then our states have our documents that tell us what to do when it comes to elections. And one person should never be deciding for everyone else who they can and cannot vote for. Now, if someone is has broken the law and they have been convicted of a crime, that's a different story. But that's not what's happening with President Trump. He has not been convicted. He has not even been charged when it comes to the crimes that they're claiming that that he is party to when it came to January 6th. So, you know, we either follow the law or we don't. And if we just start doing whatever we want and ignoring the law, well, that's, that's anarchy and that's not going to go anywhere good and in the right direction. So how soon is the Supreme Court supposed to be hearing the... Uh, well, Colorado, Colorado has basically been stayed, I think. I haven't heard on the, the main situation, but they're not going to stand. And I don't think the Supreme Court is going to allow those decisions to stand. They can't. I mean, right. not, not only is it just blatantly unconstitutional and not following the law... Um, but it's really inviting a civil war in this country. Yes, yeah. If if that kind of thing is left to to stand, so we'll see. I, I think Secretary Ashcroft was kind of airing his grievance with what happened with President Trump, and yeah. you know, as we all do. But I don't think he will actually remove President Biden from the ballot no. unless he's convicted. If he's convicted of a crime, that's a different story. You know, there's. There's then at least um, a legal measure to say we can measure this with what the law says and we can let this process go right. and see what happens with it. But And at, at what point does the rug pull happen when uh, the Democrats pull Biden off? Right. And, all uh, of a sudden it'll be and put, just fine. put who they planned all along for running in this election in. That is my personal suspicion. Yeah, very possible. So in other Missouri news, Tim, Congressman Blaine Luchtemeyer, you ever heard of him? Mm-mm. He's a congressman in uh, Missouri's third congressional district, I believe. So he made an announcement this week on X that he will not seek re-election after this term. Um, so that'd be through the end of 2024. But I'll I'll just read quickly his statement that he put on Twitter. He said, It has been an honor to serve the great people of the 3rd Congressional District in the state of Missouri these past several years. However, after a lot of thoughtful discussion with my family, I've decided to not file for re-election and retire at the end of my term in December. Over the coming months, as I finish up my last term, I look forward to continuing to work with all my constituents on their myriad of issues as well as work on the many difficult and serious problems confronting our great country. There is still a lot to do as we tackle the many challenges we face. I hope we remember that someone once said that the greatness of our country is not found in the halls of Congress, but in the hearts and homes of our people. That assessment is still true today. As we look to the future, I believe that if we work hard, stay together, and believe in ourselves, our best days are indeed still ahead. Quite a uh, a positive outlook, yeah. I suppose. He thank must, you, uh, thank you, Congressman Luchtemeyer. He must have been checked out the last few years. Yeah. So, um, as it does many times, when someone makes this move to retire and 
that means there will be an open seat for Missouri's third congressional district. It sends, you know, quite a few Missouri politicians scurrying to uh, to be the first ones to announce that they're considering running oh, yeah. for Congress. And at least one so far already who has officially announced that they will, in fact, run. He was a friend of mine, by the way. I served with in the House and is now a senator, and that is Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman. She has already announced that she will be running for that seat. And that happens whenever a seat is is open. For example, this happened in our congressional district, the Missouri 7th Congressional District, when uh, then Congressman Billy Long decided to run for Senate. So then that was going to be an open seat to run for for Congress. And so you have then people, a lot of times who are currently in the legislature, looking at running for that seat. So uh, a good friend of mine, Eric Burleson, who was a state senator at the time, decided to run for Missouri's 7th Congressional and ended up winning. And he's been a great congressman so far. But then that opens up you know, if, if if someone who was, let's say, was in the Senate wanted to run for that, then that opens up that Senate seat, and then somebody's going to run for that Senate seat. And, and maybe it was a representative. If that was a representative, then then their seat is open, and then somebody's going to be trying to run for that. So it just it's kind of a trickle-down effect that happens among current office holders and other people as well whenever a seat is uh, potentially going to be vacated. So uh, our... Our best to Congressman Luke DeMeyer, and uh, definitely don't blame him for getting out of politics. Yeah, I think he's going to be happier. Oh, for sure. I uh, I envy. I envy those that do. How old is he? That's a good question. Yeah. I would, if I were to, I don't know. If I were to guess, I would say he's probably uh, in his mid-60s, mm. somewhere around in there. He's got a little bit of life left to... Uh, yeah, he was just holding out for that social security. Enjoy. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to get it while the getting's good. That's right. Next up, Tim, is an interesting story where I read, I think this is actually Not the Bee. Man, I, I end up finding a, a lot of articles from Not the Bee. They they do a great job. Uh, they're, they're quite the, uh, both sides, the satire and the news seems just right up my alley, really. It is. It's entertaining, but it's it's good news as well. So apparently half the cargo ships that use the Suez Canal are now not using it. And this is uh, recently escalated in the last year because of the risk of Iranian Houthi pirate attacks. Hmm. So... Uh, not pirates of the Caribbean, I don't think, but I suppose uh, I suppose there are pirates that are still out there. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not as glamorous from the. Uh, I watched a a movie with Tom Hanks about Haitian pirates, I believe, hmm. and uh, doesn't look like that glamorous of a job. So I guess a lot of these attacks are in the Red Sea, um, hmm. and they've been carried out by... It's it's a Yemen-based group, this this Houthis, but they're Iranian-backed. Hmm. Um, and, and that's what I was going to say. I don't think pirating is too lucrative. They don't have cool outfits anymore. Right. Um, no bandanas. Or eye patches. Or eye patches. Yeah. No parrots to be seen. Wooden and, legs. Uh, no, it's definitely... Definitely seems like they're, they're just... Puppet pirates, hmm. and uh, not—I don't think agents it's a, of chaos. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'm sure they're getting taken care of financially, but uh, so the tally uh, that's compiled here in this article says 299 vessels with a combined capacity to carry 4.3 million containers have either changed course or plan to. Um, as a result of these pirates that are doing this in, in that area of the Suez Canal. So that's about double the number than it was just a few weeks ago and equates to about 18% of global capacity. That I mean, that's 18% of 
of global capacity is very substantial. Um, so I was thinking about it. Like, wouldn't that be a great um, opportunity? We have the, uh, you know, the private firms that do security for the military and stuff. Mm-hmm. I would think that there would be people clamoring to have a pirate shooting gallery out on the Dead Sea. I would say it would be. And uh, definitely keep those people busy without us having to mm-hmm. be warmongers. And, uh, right. Know, it's a win-win. Let them at it. So the thing about this is that, you know, the supply chain is, has been disrupted ever since COVID and never yeah. really fully uh, recovered from that. And this is going to add more to that problem, I believe, because... I mean, I would think that it would take quite a bit longer to go around the Cape of Africa. I believe it's 40 days. Isn't this the same canal that was stopped by the boat that got turned sideways? I believe so, yes. I, even back then, I believe it was 40 days, and it may have been partly due to the fact that they had to turn around and head back and then go back out, but I think it adds 40 days to the trip. And it in that was, uh, I mean, just it was a nightmare for... Um, lighting, you know, all the things that we needed just to do our projects. Um, well, this article says it could take 25% longer than what it normally does, which I would think, you know, so you're driving up the cost of your fuel for your transport, yes. right? So they're not going to eat all those costs. That is going to be transferred to the consumers eventually. And so the cost of our goods will go up as a result of what's happening with these pirates. And it should be noted that, uh, in this is what the article says that the Pentagon attempted to form a coalition. And I didn't know this. I was, I was not aware of this in order to strike at this Iran backed Houthi rebels who are carrying out these attacks from Yemen. Um, and I guess they've waged a, a civil war basically since 2014 over there. But this task force was supposed to be set up to to bolster security on the key waterways. And they said that this this coalition, reports are saying that this coalition, which was um, called the Operation Prosperity Guardian, has completely fell apart and stalled. Um, And here's the reason why. Key allies, so you have Britain, France have pulled out, indicating they'll only serve under NATO leadership. So it's like for some reason they don't want to seem to trust the United States and our leadership. Surprise, surprise. Mm. So because of our lack of leadership in our country, many of those nations are saying, "Ah, we don't really want to be a part of that. It is... uh it's hard to get behind a losing, a losing fight, and well, uh, it's also I think they don't want to be a part of the woke military operations mm-hmm. that we have now with some of those that are in pretty high places when it comes to our military now. I did, I did, uh, I did figure out it's it adds seven to ten days to a what would be a fourteen day trip turns into a twenty four day trip. On average, wow. skipping the Suez Canal, so that's a big deal. My forty days—I don't know where I pulled that out of, but I fact-checked, and that was uh, Noah's Ark. Forty yeah. days and forty nights—that was it. I knew there was a boat story somewhere, and that's how my mind works, Ben. I guarantee you, that's where I got that one. So, anyways, but yeah, it doubles the time and roughly doubles the cost of the shipping, also, and. Uh, so some of the other numbers here mentioned in the article says at December 27th, it showed 364 vessels with capacity for 5 million 20-foot container units being rerouted around Africa. That compares with 314 vessels on December 22nd. So just in like less than a week, um, this has really escalated at the end of last year. Mm. So I think... Um, this this could really be a, a problem um, in the months to come when it comes to goods that find their way in those transport channels. So I don't know. Not good. Again, a, a testament to the lack of leadership in this administration. 
and how it's a wide range of things that are affected by that. So next up, Tim, speaking of Iran, this is a video that I saw on X this week that I thought was just absolutely frightening uh, from an interview with an Iranian immigrant who made it to California. And he is talking to this guy and he's asking him questions um, regarding Iran and some of the issues that, you know, a lot of times we're thinking about when it comes to the just the millions of immigrants that are coming across our border unvetted and we really don't know who they are, where they are going and and uh, what their intentions are when they get here. So I want you to listen to this. And it's a little bit lengthy, but I think it's worth listening to. This comes from um, Real America's Voice uh, on X. And I, I guess he crossed, he's an Iranian national who crossed illegally into Jacumba, California. And he's warning Americans of what's coming. So that this is why this was just terrifying to me. But listen to this. And we may pause it and comment on it as we go. If I was a governor here, I would be afraid because all of these people in China... So he said, if I was... It's, it's a little bit difficult because of his accent, accent, but he said, if I was governor here, I would be afraid of all these people coming in. Talking about California. India, militaries. Even myself, uh, I'm a military. And there's a question... He said, even myself, I'm of military age. Coming up in here, one more, uh, one uh, um, scary question. If an incident between US and China uh, occur in uh, Taiwan, what these people do? Are they come aside of the US or they take a uh, China side? I don't know and, and no one's know. What was the route you took uh, from I, Iran? Uh, come to Turkey and Turkey to Mexico, Mexico to United so States. what would what would prevent a terrorist from doing the same thing? Nothing. Exactly nothing. That's scary. Real scary. I, I'm, I'm telling you, friend, if you see the Europe, the people, politicians in Europe is sleeping now. He said politicians in Europe are sleeping now. And what he's talking about is how Europe has literally been taken over mm-hmm. um, by people... Yeah. from all over the world, but especially the Middle East. And it's like they're asleep. Yeah. I remember the stabbings and riots they were having there. Um, just insane to let that go on. And, and I mean, that's, that's what we're going to dissolve into if we don't get the situation handled. Listen to this. Uh, like, don't be offended, but Joe Biden is sleeping the moment. Joe Biden is sleeping at the Far moment. He said. More than terrible. Not heard him called US, Sleepy Joe. For the all of the war. Just look at the world. We have three war. We have uh, sanction. Uh, we has we had a recession in the entire planet. Everyone uh, say I'm wrong, but if you like it or not, if a recession come in U.S. He's talking about a recession. Yeah. So economic recession. There will uh, like an epidemic, a pandemic comes in all the countries, and Joe Biden is doing this. It's not good. So Trump was better. You want Trump back in office? Uh, despite that, they fears us. Uh, if you come, uh, Trump is back. You will be deported. Yes, I want Trump back. Wow. <laughs> wow. So he said, despite the fact that if Trump gets in office, I'll probably deport it. I still want him in office. That's wild. That's a powerful statement. Despite that, uh, because he just uh, create, and uh, we have uh, a sentence in our country. Uh, they that is uh, that means a lot for this moment. We say, I said in Persian. Uh, then I will rephrase it in English for you. We say, "Anke ba madar khod zanakonat ba degaran chaha konat." That means. If someone betray his family and his mother, just think about that, what he can do with the others. Yeah, if he doesn't care, respect them, yeah. how will he respect Joe Biden you? Joe don't respect the U.S. 
That's my opinion. Thank you. An Iranian immigrant telling us Joe Biden doesn't respect the people of America. Mm. Wake up. Are, are you Muslim? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I'm born Muslim, but I don't believe in Islam. More, more secular. So he asked him about yeah. Islam. And uh, I just want to say, if you ask me why I didn't go to Europe, that was easier for me. But uh, I don't trust them because they don't help any people. And the last thing I say, I don't know if, if it's Reagan or if it's uh, Nixon said that. I think Reagan said that. Uh, Reagan saw, once told the people of the world, we are the last stand against uh, falling into democracy. If yeah. U.S. falls, everyone falls. He's quoting Reagan. Mm-hmm. This guy, has, he knows more history than most of our Pretty high school wild. students in our country. And he's right. How concerned, so you're a secular, um, I was speaking to some of these guys from Turkey, the same thing, they're fleeing. How, how bad is Islam for the world? How much you want me to be straight? <laughs> as straight as you can be. It's terrible. It, it's the new virus. The wave of it's problems. the new virus, he said. Islam. This is coming, and you cannot prevent it like this, like this. Uh, if you think, if you think, people from uh, radical jihadist Islam and radical system of Islam coming to your country, and they uh, take an oath of U.S. citizen, and you think that when they come a time that they they have to uh, take a side between Islam and U.S. You would be so naive if you think they take U.S. side. They are, their, their mind are dead. Uh, once I asked one of my uh, Islamist friends in Iran, he's a good guy. He's a very respected guy at my office. Uh, I asked him, uh, if your uh, prophet tells you you have to uh, detonate a nuclear bomb, what would you do? Uh, he said, if the prophet says, it means it comes from Allah, and I would do it. And I, I, I uh, respond that you are one footstep away from being a terrorist. He don't believe me, but it's it. Yeah. Islam is how, terrible. How many terrorists do you think we have in America now? <laughs> I, I don't have numbers, but uh, lots. It's about lot, lots of lot terrorists. Uh, just uh, people, people uh, talking, uh, saying about America that uh, America is not safe because of guns. But Listen it's to that. Ridiculous. America is safe. America has the strongest democracy and po politics because of the guns, because of your First and Second Amendment. Uh, wow. America, guns don't kill people. Uh, radicalists kill people. Yeah. Guns just mm. do the action i wanted not they right no guns come and get a foot and kill a f people in the line but islamists will do islamists will come here get the guns get the c4 detonations and kill people they're not good they're not good hmm. wow that's uh that's wild and he's right yeah he had a real real good grasp for sure on uh kind of the the, the real pulse, problems and yeah, the real issues of the uh what's what's going on worldwide not just over here but it's uh we are the the last you know bastion of of hope for democracy and and uh just me and my wife were talking about it tonight um while we were working and uh you know about the percentage, or she was, we, it just came up um, that uh, about civil war. If if the election goes, you know, the way the last one did, or or um, or worse, where it's just obvious that the votes are, you know, are being not being heard, and uh, I feel like you know, depending on how how it goes with who what who comes up if. If Biden runs and wins, um, it's going to be really, really hard for a lot of people to 
come to grips with uh, that 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 is the outcome that America wants. Just seeing, um, I mean, I I don't know. I don't I don't feel like there's even I. They're few and far between, and it's so obvious that they're lying when even a Democrat says, "Oh no, Joe Biden is the best thing for this country," and. You know, it, I don't know many Democrats that are still saying that. Yeah. And if, you know, I'm just saying, and this is not me, this is the last thing I would ever want for our country, but I'm just saying, if if it gets much further out of hand, it's it's something that's on the table. And she said, well, you know, I said, well, I think, you know, we were kind of talking about how that would play out a little bit. And just, I said, I I don't feel like it would be the government against the people so much as I said, you got to realize the people, you know, in our military, I don't think agree with, I think by majority don't agree with this. Um, and I really think it, we kind of got down to the end of the conversation. I was like, I really think it's like nine, 10% of America is where we, you know, that's, that's what, that's the voices we're hearing right now. Because if you, I mean, you know, we have this podcast now, but I mean, the last thing I would ever take time to, I don't have time in a busy life, a fulfilled life to go be a squeaky will or, you mm-hmm. know, hold the signs or scream and yell or cause, you know, the, the things that we have been seeing, I think we see that tiny percent and it is, and not all of them, but I'm just saying the average American in their heart that is having a fulfilled life. You don't rise up until, you know, until it's, until it's called, you're called upon to rise up. And I I really think that the straw that breaks the camel's back, whatever that may be, I don't, I think that it'll be, um, I don't think it'll go to full on conflict when we realize that, Oh, 60, 70, who knows? The percentage of Americans who are okay with what is going on because it does not affect them, when they become not okay with it Mm -hmm. and it does affect them, I think that's when we see where our country is actually at. And I really hate to try to measure, and I talked about the red waves we've been expecting, you know, Mm -hmm. in the last two elections, and I really hate to measure anything by that with this, and I'm not going to put on the tinfoil hat. I'm not going to, you know, be a conspiracy theorist, but I have less faith in the uh, system than I ever thought I could have. Like, I never thought my faith in the system could get to the point it is right now. And if it gets much lower, I feel like a lot of people are going to feel some pressure to be heard, to, you know, and I think that would actually be a blessing. That's, that could be the reset towards the right direction, not dissolving in conflict, but the vast majority of, you know, the adults in the room being heard. And, and that really is the sad fact is if you're fulfilled, if you're busy at the end of the day, you're just trying to live. And the people who are making the noise are the emptiest, you know, most dissatisfied, disenfranchised, looking for, you know, whatever attention they can draw, whatever, you know, get their 15 minutes in. And I don't think it, I, I believe, and I may, I may be wildly naive, but I don't think this is America. This is not the people that, and I've been all over the U S this is the people I, the people that I brush shoulders with and from all walks of life, um, immigrants, you know, to rednecks to, you know, the, the most, and, uh, the most conservative uh, to the least conservative people, they're still not insane. And the voice that you hear are the voices of the insane, the voices of the fringe. And I don't think that's indicative of what we actually have as a country. Right. The people that I, the people that want to be left alone. Yes. And they don't care for the spotlight and when they're the ones political. that that are feeling like they've they've got to say something or do something. Yeah. That's when you really see what the what the country's what real, made of. Yeah. 
And I really, I really think there's, you know, it, it's, it comes down to, and I'm not saying that everybody's going to see eye to eye, that everybody at the end of the day has good intentions or good ideas. Right. But I don't think that 90% are insane or even 50%. I'm not even willing to, you know, concede that 50%, the Democrats. Um, it's kind of like uh, Abraham and Sodom, yeah, right? Exactly. If there be 50. And I, I don't think we're to that. I think that that's how it feels because those are the voices that have nothing better to do than to complain, than to, they're not offering any solutions. There's a lot of solutions, people in the country. Um, I don't know if you heard what, um, I was listening to the Elon Musk episode with uh, Joe Rogan, the latest one, a while back. And uh, Joe Rogan asked Elon Musk how much he paid for Twitter. And Elon Musk said, well, uh, it was $44 billion, you know. <laughs> and he said, well, what's Twitter worth? What's Twitter actually worth? And Elon Musk said, didn't pause. He said, everything. Mm-hmm. And Well, it's just like that Iranian it was, guy. It's a beautiful thing. He said, your First and Second Amendment is why you have a country. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Without that, right. we don't have a country. And there are people who are actively trying to destroy those rights. Yeah. I see them in the Capitol building every year. And they, they have all these causes that they're saying that they're trying to, and all in my mind I can see is, no, you're actively trying to destroy our fundamental rights. Yeah. And when it comes to representatives, you, you, have a, you have a broad spectrum here. You have the entire state of Missouri that you, the people who represent them, the people who we vote to represent them, you know there are a few quacks. But what are the percentage of people who absolutely are pretty much, you know, from the sane view, look like they're actively trying to destroy our country? Is that 10%? Is it? Right. It's not 50%. No. And sanity is out there. It's, but, you know, you don't, it, the, uh, the raving lunatics are the ones that are being heard. And, uh, well, and that's the, you know, one of the things that I have found to be so frustrating as a representative is the media are so bent on the clicks and the attention that they get so, you know, so swiftly from the most controversial, crazy things. Yeah. Right. And that's what they want to publish. Out of the 20 bills that I, for instance, that I filed, and this is just, you know, an example that I filed last year. Of a lot of great things that need to be done that aren't necessarily partisan issues or whatever. You know how many of them they wanted to talk about? Very little, if any. They wanted to talk about anything to do with the LGBTQ. They wanted to talk about anything to do with race. They want to talk about, you know, anything to do with Trump. That anytime I get interviewed, they try to align me with Donald Trump. And try to say, well, you're a MAGA extremist, basically, is what they're trying to get at. And so that they can... Uh, you know, put that in their article. And it's it's so destructive to this country when well, that's the go-to ben, of their, the media. Their job is to peddle outrage. And they're doing a great job. The saying the saying that um, sex sells, outrage sells in spades. You know, that is that is what that's what people and and shame on us. I mean that's what at the end of the day Half of my scroll, half of my feed is... Your reels? Half of my reels are... And they know, you know, the Chinese have they figured know. you Who's out. They? they know what you're... The Chinese. <laughs> We're going to say that China. China. We're going to say that... The, but the the algorithm, it more accurately... They know. They know what you're looking for. They know what's going to hold your attention. They and the outrage right will be fed if you're looking for it. And it's a it's a trap because, I mean, and we're kind of in the business here. I, I know that we have not monetized outrage here at, at uh, the Man Cave Caucus. And that's, that is the part where the humor comes in. I mean, we have enough to be, I, I mean, if I don't know if your phone does it to you, but my phone could keep me. Piping hot. I, my, 
I love my dad. Pressure just. I love my dad, and I love his passion for politics and stuff. But I've never seen a guy that just goes around more worked up because of the things that he listens to twelve hours a day. And uh, it's It's and yes, it is absolutely. But it is. It's it it will outrage you if you listen. Yeah, the twenty four seven news cycle. I think has been. Yeah, and you don't want to bury your head in the sand. I get that, but you also can't. I well don't think it, it is time. you can't Believe because me. and and dad dad is you know had to cut back because I I think it was taking years off of his life. But uh you know it's it's one of those things where you just especially through I mean dad was was really going in on the uh, election being stolen yeah. like it was he was ready to take up arms you know to start a a militia. And uh you know so it, and I I I get it but it really does what we choose to dwell on. Yeah. And how so much, much of it yeah. is true, you know? And you really do. You get, I don't care which side you're getting your media from. Most likely, if the if the end of two hours is outrage, they've probably gotten just <laughs> what they wanted out of you. Yeah. And they're going to keep you coming back. Speaking of outrage. I'm sorry. I've talked way too much tonight. <laughs> no. I heard Epstein's <laughs> list was released this week. I did. And uh, we've been waiting for this, you know. Yeah, with bated breath. And we knew most of the people who are going to be on there and who's going to be talking about it and all of that. But I think when it when it came to shocking and like really, well, to me, was the old uh, Stephen Hawking that was on yes. the list. So and uh I wish I could do a Stephen Hawking impression. But uh yeah, I mean <laughs> that one I was really I you know, I really did like I once again I went searching for some outrage. Went you know, and I I went and looked at the list and I was like, nah, yeah, 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 saw that one coming. Yeah. Um yeah. You know, more or Bill less like, going there for my confirmation bias and I mean once you get, you know, and then Stephen Hawking's pops up and I'm like, what in the world? And, uh, I had an article shortly thereafter pop up five seconds after you thought. Yes. It was like, how convenient. I don't even have, I I don't even have intentions of getting Neuralink and they already know the next story that my jump to conclusions mind you know, I'm in a, I'm, I'm in this absorption mode, so I, I'm not going to be vetting a lot. Right. I'm just, I'm just, and it pops up. Stephen Hawking's somebody had done, went and figured out why Stephen Hawking's was there, and Ben, it was on court document paper, like all the names were, mm-hmm. and it's a conversation between Ghislaine Maxwell, or I, I don't know if I said that right, but yeah, um telling in in the interview when they were writing this stuff down what Stephen Hawking's did because they they went into some detail on a lot of people what they were there doing and Ben they got me and I'm a little ashamed because I had to google it and ABC News had to tell me that I was in fact reading fake news out in the weeds and it but said, if ABC News tells you that, there's well, a good chance that maybe you, have to, you might have to circle back. Maybe like you Biden's first press in secretary. Fact in the weeds. Well, I'm pretty sure I was in the weeds, and I had a deep feeling that I was deep in the weeds. But it said in in this court document that had been falsified, no doubt by AI or you know somebody who was. Most people are too lazy to do this, especially five minutes after the, li- the list comes out. But it said that Stephen Hawking was there, and he was having midgets, what? midgets, stand on a table in front of a too tall chalkboard. <laughs> what? Um, and solve complex math equations. In my mind, Stephen Hawking's. I'm not. I'm not. The man's dead. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't agree with everything he said, but I do think he was a brilliant mind and I was, that was the only thing that made sense why he was there. I was like, okay, I mean, where do you get, I mean, where 
can you in you know privately watch two midgets on a table solve complex math equations on a chalkboard that they can't reach? And uh, yeah, it was that's, too good to be. That's true. one of the most just outrageous, crazy things I've ever heard. I wanted to believe it though, because the other things that were going on on the island, I well. Usually, your your conspiracy theories usually are uh, are confirmed at some point. Yeah, I, so we'll I don't, be looking for that one. Ben, I don't see that one happening. I uh, <laughs> careful what you read, kids, and more importantly, careful what you believe. That's right. So you've heard it here first. So the Stephen Hawking uh, conspiracy uh, theory is probably not true. Unfortunately, he was probably up to more nefarious things than. Uh, you know, than that, but uh, so you yeah, could say his visit was short lived. Yeah, it would have it would have definitely if if that was in fact true. Um, he would have been you know I would have probably had to have cleared him because I kind of I think that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be an interesting visual. Wow. All right. So, Tim, last of all, but not least, I've got one more story for you. Okay. And we're going to go out with a good one. <laughs> all right. So, you know, you've heard of the Florida man, right? No. You know, the Florida man. Yes, the stereotypical. Yeah, stereotypical Florida, Florida man. Florida yes. Always end up oh, yeah. in some crazy story. The mugshots of Florida men. Well, hold my beer, says Alabama man. Who... <laughs> who purposefully crashed his car into a pole outside of Bass Pro Shops in Alabama and then proceeded to get undressed and go into the Bass Pro Shops and dive into the fish tank. See, I saw the guy diving into the the blur, diving into the fish tank. So you got to... This is the video. Have you seen this? I I saw. So I didn't know the story behind it, but yes, I did yeah. see that. So he just he's running from the from the authorities. He jumps into this giant fish tank, which happens to have a whole glass front. Unfortunately, for mm. all the people viewing, he is now on an offenders list. Did you get that? So. I got her. His dive was... Oh, my goodness. He said, don't catch me. I'm ready. <laughs> Apparently, he is mentally ill, <clears throat> according to, to if, sources. It's very apparent. Yes. I don't think we needed any sources. <laughs> so some, some things you really and don't. And when the cops came, he didn't want to get out. And, and finally he tried to jump out of the, the fish tank and then he knocked himself out. And that's how mm. they caught him. Hey, it's uh congratulations, Alabama, man. You have, you've won up to the old Florida guy. It's going to probably come out that he was in fact a native Floridian. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause he that, was, he was identifying as an Alabama man. That yes. Day. Yeah. Dual citizenship. Oh, man. Over there. Well, just when you mm-hmm. think the world has has done its worst. I really, I've seen a lot more disturbing things this week. And uh, thanks to the algorithm. Right. Than the Alabama man. I feel like uh, at least, at least he's probably clinically insane and, uh, yeah. Has a reason. Good excuse. Yeah. Well, well, you got anything else? Man, I I think uh I think that's a pretty good note to leave out on. Um All right. Make sure you uh make sure you get your phones out when you see stuff like that, right? I mean, I would be trying to cover my kids' eyes, not yeah. not record it, but uh, I know. What do you do? That's the problem with everybody's got a cell phone though these days. It really makes Sasquatch's existence and even more unbelievable aliens. Yeah, it's like you're although me, we don't have time for Florida. This. Yeah, we'll and talk about that. Maybe I thought next that week. was too much in the weeds to put on the list today. So we may we stuff. may do a little more research and uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I maybe guess that if, was just the algorithm. I don't. I know. don't know. They got us. They got our number. Some but, awful yeah, lot of police. Five hundred police cars, and uh, maybe you know. Please, friends, if you have some information on this and can save us from... Uh, yeah, I really want to believe, though, that the eight-foot-tall aliens was the real reason, but yeah, prove me wrong. I, I wanted to believe some things about Stephen Hawking that weren't true. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. All right. We'll look so into it. So with that, um, don't forget, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify you can also keep up with us, even though we probably aren't as prolific as we ought to be in uh, tweeting on I'm just X. just not interesting. That's the <laughs> but uh, if you would like to check our last post that's been there for a month, you can go yeah. by and, and look at that. But uh, we'll, we'll try to do better. Yeah. We have busy lives. We, we're just all the time busy and working and everything. But... Anyway, you can catch us on those, and uh, don't forget, not this week, but the following week, we'll begin the midweek update from the Missouri legislature. Jefferson so we'll be working City. on that, and we'll we'll even try to get Tim up there one of these days. I, I haven't been to the Capitol since I was like 12. It'll be a blast. Yeah. It'll be a blast. You can only imagine when Tim does Jefferson City. Yeah. So with that, <laughs> have hey, a great day, Thanks guys. for listening. And we'll see you next week.